from coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Hello and welcome back. I'm Hannah Cunningham. And I'm Carter Gorzitza. And we'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news. I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, a campus and community radio station located in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory. The historic and present territory of the Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Nations. This episode we're talking about development here on Treaty Land and discussing the climate emergency. It's important to note that the climate crisis will and does affect many different groups of people in different ways, compounding the existing inequalities perpetuated by the colonial society we live in. Treaty is about relationships, and the very least we can do in this relationship is acknowledge the people who can continue to live and gather here, and continue to influence the stories that we make here at Terranforma. This week on Terranforma, we discuss Edmonton's recent declaration of a climate emergency and what that means for the city. We'll explore what Edmonton is doing and can do to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions and respond to the newly declared climate emergency. Terra Informer Sonic Patel speaks with Sarah Van Weingarten about her work on district heating in the environmentally sustainable zero emission community of Blatchford, which is currently under development in the city of Edmonton. Before we listen to that interview, here are this week's headlines. August 27th, the City of Edmonton Council declared a climate emergency. This declaration was made to support and speed up actionable steps to reduce Edmonton's greenhouse gas emissions. Along with the declaration, the City also passed a plan to respond to climate change. Edmonton joins nearly a thousand jurisdictions worldwide and over 400 in Canada that have declared climate emergencies. Canada's own capital, Ottawa, made the declaration in April of 2019 and Vancouver made the declaration at the start of the year. In the words of Councillor Aaron Paquette, quote, The debate on whether climate change is real is over. It's real. The debate we can have here is what we are going to do about it. End quote. And that's the purpose of the declaration, to create a path for climate action. Part of the strategy involves revising Edmonton's energy transition strategy, also passed in the same meeting. Edmonton's greenhouse gas reduction target is aligned with a maximum 1.5 degree global temperature increase target. A report to Council describes the approved reduction target in the Community Energy Transition Strategy is not sufficient to meet the target. Administration produces a carbon budget, or the total amount of greenhouse gas the City can release between 2017 and 2050. If Edmonton's existing emissions hold steady, this budget will be exceeded in the next eight years. Edmonton has a large carbon footprint relative to population, with a per capita emissions of nearly seven times that of Vancouver's per capita rate. Administration attributes this discrepancy to Alberta's carbon-intensive electricity grid, higher heating demands in the colder climate, the magnitude of industrial emissions, and energy-intensive and automobile-reliant transportation. The new energy strategy and goal of speeding up Edmonton's carbon reduction would be closely aligned with shifts in urban planning processes. The city is currently in the process of updating their city plan, a document that sets the city's vision and goals for the future. This provides a potential opportunity to introduce carbon reduction principles into our planning process, addressing issues like automobile dependency and low density. Council's approved administration will work on studying options to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions, including conducting technical analysis, economic analysis, and stakeholder and community engagement. This report is anticipated to be before Council in the fall of 2020. Mayor Don Iveson highlighted potential areas of improvement 
including buildings, electrifying city vehicles, and looking for new, less carbon-intensive forms of electricity. Councillors in favor also spoke about economic opportunities for exporting green infrastructure and attracting investment. With this recent declaration, Edmonton has made their intentions for climate action clear, but many people, including some of the city councillors, are still not convinced because of concerns like cost, other priorities, and responsibility for climate action. Tara and former Sonic Patel sat down with Sarah Van Weingarten, who recently completed a position at the City of Edmonton working on Blatchford, a sustainable community in the City of Edmonton. We talked to her about the, her position and the city's responsibility and opportunity for climate action. Let's listen in. Hi, I'm Sonic Patel, and I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Sarah Bowen-Gretton. For the last four months, Sarah's been working with the city on energy issues, and we're going to have a talk about her work there. Um, so do you want to first just describe your position at the city? Uh, sure. So I was a sustainability scholar, which is under the graduate um, or the GSIP program, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I was pretty well just like an intern at the city for the past four months. Okay, great. And how did you find this position? Um, ironically, just online. Like I think someone in the Reese department put it around, and then I applied. Okay. Yeah. And what was it about uh, this position that was interesting to you? Um, more, it was like I think somewhere in it was like sustainable energy and renewable energy, and I was like, oh, I don't really know too much about that, and I'd like to learn a little bit more. So I guess the city took a chance on me. Uh, cool. Um, so more specifically, what what were you looking at over the course of your time at the city? Uh, so I was doing a research project, more so like kind of a policy project on uh, district energy systems. So I looked at uh, district energy systems nationally, globally, and also locally, and then their feasibility to Edmonton and like more specifics. Great. Uh, do you want to briefly describe district energy for those of us that don't know? Sure. Um, so district energy systems uh, produce hot water, steam, or chilled water at a centralized power plant, and underground pipelines then distribute the steam or water to individual buildings for heating or cooling purposes. Okay, so it provides some, some efficiency in the form of, of, I guess, pooling, heating, and cooling. Yeah, it's all, like, at a very centralized power plant and then goes out rather than having, like, in houses that you have, like, your individual furnaces, boilers, air conditioning. Mm -hmm. This instead is at an individual plant, so it's more reliant. Great. Um, and so in your research, did you kind of see what some of the benefits of district energy are from an either environmental or economic perspective? Well, district energy, pretty well in general, the biggest benefit is reducing greenhouse gas emissions, mm -hmm. uh, specifically in Canada. I know that we're all, or, well, globally, we're dealing with climate change. So district energy, given that cities and especially heating and cooling buildings has large quantities of 
greenhouse gas emissions that occur from them, and district energy can reduce these. I don't have exact statistics, but it reduces them in quite large amounts. That's the biggest benefit. I think local listeners will probably know or may recognize the term district energy from the community of Blatchford. Yes. And I know you did some work with that. Do you want to, I guess, briefly for those of us that aren't aware of what Blatchford is, just kind of explain what that community is. Yeah. So Blatchford, um, let me get more specific on Blatchford. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Blatchford is, as many people know, the old airport that existed in Edmonton that closed down. And then they remodeled it to basically become a community that will house approximately 30,000 individuals and that will use 100% renewable energy, carbon neutral, and significantly reduces its ecological footprint. Um, So instead of using a district energy system, it's using a district energy sharing system, Mm -hmm. uh, which uses ambient temperatures and shares basically energy throughout the community. So we're using geothermal energy as a phase one, which is complete, but we're now building the houses. And then second phase, we'll be using sewer heat exchange and uh, solar PVs, which will basically add up to the 100% renewable energy, as we hope. What were the kind of opportunities for Blatchford to adopt a district energy uh, sharing system? Um, Are there systems like P3s or or funding mechanisms that could be have potential to introduce this into the community? Uh, Well, Blashford, as of right now, is actually owned by the city. Mm -hmm. So the city's funding it, um, and from what I know, relatively in full. Um, I can't give, like, the specifics of the funding, Mm -hmm. because that's actually private information, but uh, (laughs) we'll have to cut that out. An inside (laughs) scoop. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so the city of Edmonton's funding it, and we've created Blashford District Energy Utility, or the Brew Team, which is Blashford Renewable energy utility. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're the ones that are actually funding it. Um, in terms of my project, I looked at possibilities of looking for funding. Mm-hmm. And right now we're kind of low on funding for district energy. Uh, Blatchford is working with city council to get more funding. Right. Um, they've a- agreed upon a certain amount, but we're still working towards actually getting the full dollar value to go with phase two. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I guess somewhat related to that, what are, what do you think the barriers are for Blatchford to build this kind of system, or I guess anywhere in the city to adopt district energy? One major one's political. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know of today, uh, it really depends. At least in my studies, I found that in other countries, like for example in Denmark and Copenhagen, the government is very much promoting the use of district energy systems. Mm -hmm. In Canada, we have promotions. Um, For example, in Vancouver, it's highly promoted. In Toronto, we have a district energy cooling system. But in Edmonton, it's relatively new to the community. So I don't think it's very well known. Like, I didn't know about it until I joined the city of Edmonton. And in the political sphere, with new council members coming in, they're now hearing about Blatchford. Um, Old members know a lot about it, but trying to describe it to the new members, it's kind of causing slight issues with adopting. Okay. Yeah, that that actually leads really well into the topic of this week's episode, which is the municipal climate emergency that was declared last week. Yeah. Um, So do you think, I guess tying this back into the paper that you wrote, which opens with its discussion of the the Paris Agreement and what those targets are, uh, what do you think is municipalities' responsibility in that low-carbon transition? Well, promotion of it, one, is municipalities. Mm-hmm. Funding, we can't particularly get. Like, that's, I mean, you can allot it to a certain amount, but more so it's 
educating in the knowledge. That's okay. the fear. Um, like in St. Paul, Minnesota, they have a whole eco district for the municipality and which promotes the use of renewable energy. And then through that, more people are likely to adopt. Okay. If less people know, then they're probably not going to adopt because it's something that's new and scary. And with recent changes to Alberta's provincial government, do you think there's a challenge from other orders and the federal elections also coming up? Yeah, um, not to speak negatively on the political parties of today, mm-hmm. um, but I think that there is definitely not moving backwards, but there's not exactly as much of a focus on environmental uh, impacts, especially when we renounced the carbon tax. Um, mm-hmm. That was a big, in for Canada at least, one of the primary things of the government was to focus on carbon taxation in order to reduce GHG emissions. And now with the government renouncing it, it's kind of moving a step away from mm-hmm. going towards reducing GHG. And then this also moves a step away from district energy as that relates to it. The kind of critique that I've seen to those uh, declarations and those planning is that um, it's kind of contrary to goals of economic development. How do you think yeah. the trade-off between something like renewable energy or district energy or even just general emission reductions relates to um, economic development? It's kind of a tricky one to be <laughs> on as like an economic student yeah. myself. Um, obviously, we want to grow our economy as much as we can. Um, speaking more so in terms of district energy, uh, it all depends on who owns the system to be economically feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's privately owned by like the municipality or sorry, privately owned by like a third party, then it can be economically feasible to the municipality because there's no risk. We just kind of benefit from the like whatever rates like if that we charge the consumers. So we actually get money for the municipality and the province. But if it is pri- publicly owned by the city, for example, um, we're not going to see payoffs for the long run. So in terms of economics, it's kind of hard to really merge the two, um, environmental and economics, because yeah. we really have to think of a forward-thinking approach. Mm-hmm. Like, do are we going to be around in 2050? And do we want, like, <laughs> do have, like, amazing economy, but nothing really to show for it? Or do we want to focus on energy, su- or, like, energy sustainability, which can be economically feasible yeah. if done correctly, mm-hmm. depending on the ownership and the operations of the system. Yeah. So it really depends on what we want to do. you were working at the city, what did you kind of perceive to be the general attitude towards environmental um, goals? And do you think people were really receptive to trying to introduce that into the planning framework? In terms of the city employees, yeah, they're very, very forward thinking. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's part of like the city initiatives, especially um, for the municipality, at least in general, in Edmonton. Edmonton's very forward thinking Mm -hmm. in terms of district energy and energy sustainability. And I think that also has to do with us being further away from an oil um, base. I find like further outside of Edmonton, we did have some people that were not exactly fans of the project. Like I know one time I walked out of the city of Edmonton and a man at a bus stop asked me what I was doing at the city. And I told him I was working on district energy. We wanted to like, you know, transform our energy source and kind of move away from like crude oil and coal and all that kind of stuff. And he was very much against it because he was like, you're going to be taking our jobs. You're going to be doing all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not renouncing his livelihood because I definitely think that yeah. it's a good thing. But in terms of like in Edmonton, we're forward thinking. Okay. I think that's because there's a lot of students and city employees, but yeah. outside it's very different. We talked a lot about Blatchford already, but you also investigated district energy potentials in other parts of the city? Uh, I didn't particularly look at other parts of the city, mm-hmm. um, but I looked at like what we should do going forward okay. for the city. So I know that the city of Edmonton, or at least the Brew team, 
uh, is looking at potential areas in the city as of right now, and I don't remember the exact area. Okay. Um, but pretty well going forward, they want to look at like areas that are inefficient in terms of energy usage. So like they have like high energy, but like it's just either like old rundown systems, depending on like what's going on, or it's just like. And also, can we implement the infrastructure? Um, it's harder to do it in like a very downtown city. You'd have to build like a central energy plant in the middle of like, for example, in Toronto, how are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. But in Edmonton, looking at where it's feasible to build such an energy plant, how to incorporate the infrastructure in the community. And then also just like going forward with like, is there enough energy supply in order to meet the mm -hmm. demand? So. so do you think there would be potential to put district energy in area-wise, some of the largest parts of Edmonton, which are our suburban developments. Yeah, I, will, I know Strathcona County has their own mm -hmm. district energy system right now, which is just outside of Edmonton, yeah. and more, I guess, suburban. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, some suburbs, definitely. Uh, I can't speak like too well to like how we would implement the infrastructure. I'm not an engineer, but I mean, I feel like it would be feasible okay. in a way. Um, and like the central plants don't have to be like right next to the mm -hmm. suburb. They can be a little further away. Um, like, for example, Regent Park in Toronto, they redeveloped their entire suburb, basically, which is a whole redevelopment plan, and then they were able to implement district energy to this remodel. Okay. Um, it might be a little bit more difficult with infrastructure that's already there, like as of today, like 50 years ago, mm -hmm. um, trying to build and connect with pipelines. You have to rip up a bunch of roads. It would cost a ton of money. Would we get that funding? I don't know, as mm -hmm. of today. So that would be a little bit more difficult. Okay. Like, what else do you think the city could do beyond things like district energy or promoting communities like Blatchford mm -hmm. to get their energy uh, targets down to what they're hoping to do with the revised energy transition? Also, like, speaking away from district energy fully? Or? You can talk about district energy if you want. <laughs> okay. If you think we can do it all with district energy, <laughs> I'd love that. I don't think we can do it all with district energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's significantly would help with it right. but another big thing that cities are focusing on is transit especially yeah. um i'm not 100 i'm not too familiar with edmonton transit sure. i know there's another student that um in the sustainability scholarships program mm -hmm. um if you look it up online i don't know if their project's out yet okay. but they are focusing on sustainable transition i don't know if it was using solar buses and stuff of that nature okay. i know that like i know in the netherlands they came up with solar cars mm -hmm. um so that's a big thing especially in edmonton where it's so condensed yeah. um or even just making our LOTs more efficient. I know that we've been on construction with them for mm -hmm. <laughs> years. <laughs> yep. So stuff of that nature, even with district energy, more specifically with the expansion of our LRT lines, implementing infrastructure for district energy across the expansion areas. Right. So, for example, in West Edmonton Mall, that's very highly <laughs> yep. GHG emitter mm -hmm. uh, with large supply of energy. Yep. Um, and then if we build the LRT out to the West Ed, which I hope just for efficiency purposes of like, getting there yeah. um if they build it out then we can implement that infrastructure too there um right. solar powers i i know that it's like a hot topic solar power but it's not gonna exactly fix everything yeah um especially in canada where we have winter for like <laughs> eight months of the year <laughs> did you think that like that environmental aspect was being like interwoven to a pretty high degree when people were talking about these new projects like the lrt um, so I didn't hear too much on the LRT expansion, to mm -hmm. be honest, but I know like at least talking with different departments in the city yeah. and looking at, I don't know how many sustainability scholars there were, but I sat through almost all of their presentations mm -hmm. um, and each one was with either a different department or even a different company like Stantec mm -hmm. and all of them were incorporating like how do we make Edmonton more sustainable. So it's a big topic that's occurring 
um, at least in Edmonton. So it is up and coming and people are focusing on it. Okay. The biggest struggle is getting the funding and then implementing it. Okay, I guess back on the topic of district energy. At the scale you're looking at, you're looking at a community like Blatchford. How much does district energy scale up? And how, how at what point is it no longer efficient to add new communities into a single system? Uh, so district energy doesn't have to just be like built up. Mm-hmm. So like, a, for example, in Copenhagen, they started in like the 1930s. Um, and then as of today, like 97% of homes are done through like they're heated through district heating. Um, so the infrastructure was kind of built over the long haul. Unfortunately, in Canada, we've started a little bit later. So a lot of our infrastructure is built. Um, so in order to go forward with district energy, at least in like Edmonton, let's say, um, we can work it and interwove it into the infrastructure. Uh, but it's just going to cost a lot of money and some places might not be feasible. So depending on how we go about it, a place like Blatchford was a great opportunity because it was like an open field and we can just start over. But if we want to go into like Fort Saskatchewan, um, the infrastructure's there, so I don't know how easily it would be implemented. I believe that they have a lot of open space, so it would be like easy, but there would be a lot of construction that goes into it. So it's more so like the economics, again, going back to economics, mm-hmm. it it's going to cost a lot of money to implement district energy, but in the long term, it does pay back right. um, if you are efficient. There are places like Guelph, Ontario that built too much too soon, and it was not economically feasible, so they had to stop after two energy systems. But like places um, like St. Oh, where was it? Like St. Paul, Minnesota, and all those like in Hamburg, Germany, they are building out, and it's economically feasible today. Canada is also a very large country. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, what was the discussion around the city's decision to act as the operator of the district energy system and not? contract that out to a, to a private company? Uh, so they're kind of building off of, well, we have like two projects. So the one's the downtown project, which mm-hmm. actually works with NMAX. So mm-hmm. it is working with a private corporation. But Blatchford um, was more so it was a city project. So they started, and I don't particularly know why they started as a city project. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe it was more so just because they were like, well, this is our project. They didn't really like reach out to private. They instored, instead they created their own utility company. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll sell it off in the future as a private um, corporation. But this way that they have the most power so they can decide what they want to do with it. They can decide what kind of um, energy they want to use, like geothermal, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have like all the funding also for it. So it's more so I think that's why, because they can pretty well build it up from the ground up and they don't have a third party that they have to navigate and work with. Okay. So. And so do you think with other major redevelopment projects, and like the ones that leap to mind, I think are Exhibition Lands and Rossdale for most people that are kind of aware of the Edmonton <laughs> uh, redevelopment plans, um, that, as I understand it, are planned to be, um, uh, are looking for developer requests. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it would be more difficult to try and incorporate not only district energy, but just generally environmental principles when you have a developer-led project? Um, it all depends on the developer. So, like, mm-hmm. I know um, NMAX is very forward-thinking with district energy. So they created the Calgary District Energy downtown. Um, so they were very forward-thinking in that sense. Um, but they're also an entity of the municipality. Mm-hmm. So that's also something that people need to note. They're not just, like, a f- they are a private kind of corporation, mm-hmm. but they still work under the municipality or kind of have ties mm-hmm. in that way. Um, if you're going to choose a third party, at least choose somebody who most people 
for example, if you want to work with a third party, they have to give the city uh, project plans or like what they plan to do. And in that way, you can maybe kind of gauge how environmentally friendly they're thinking of being. Are they in it for the economics or are they in it for both the economics? Because, of course, they have to make money. They are a company, Mm -hmm. Um, but also they're in it for like the environment and then also moving forward with advancements in technology. So that's kind of how you gauge it. But you can't really know if you give it all to a third party and they end up just building. Yeah. You can't really control it. Uh, were you part of the consultation process on, on the Blatchford? I was um, not. Okay. No. <laughs> are, are you aware of what the public's perception of a district energy or even um, a net zero sustainable community was? Um, so I know that they did engagement for it. Um, I've seen city council, um, mm-hmm. but they... You'll see a lot of negative reports from city council as of late. I'm not 100% sure, maybe like a few years ago when it first came out. But I know that there was a few councillors that I'm not sure what news station it came out, but they're saying it costs too much. And like, is it really going to be efficient and effective? Um, Which I think like if you maybe read my report, you can find that it is effective like across the globe. Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of the actual communities, the university is very forward thinking for it but I think that's also just a university setting people tend to be a little bit more liberal and they tend to be a little bit more focused on energy sustainability community wise I don't know too much about the community's perception to be honest I feel like it's in Edmonton it might be a little bit more positive than negative but at the same time it's just so new and people don't really know too much about it I don't think people can really gauge an opinion of what it is yet Um, and I guess the last kind of trade-off that I want to talk about, because we've, we've gone over like economics versus environmentalism, <laughs> but um, another city goal is often um, relates to affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So how do you think the city has and could possibly better manage the trade-off between maintaining an affordable housing stock and trying to implement some novel technologies like district energy? Yeah, so I know for Blatchford, for example, the housing prices, I know that someone raised the question that they're quite high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm from Ontario, so for me, I'm like, oh, this is, like, well, this is fine. But then the same time, I know in, in comparison, they're, they are quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but Blatchford has to follow. I'm not sure what the rule or regulation is, but you know how you have to have like, oh, what is it? Assisted living. Like there has to be a certain percentage of the community. So Blatchford will follow that. And that's what the one thing that I do know. Um, but in terms of creating a like a affordable living area, I think one thing we can play off, I said earlier, Regent Park in Toronto, which is a sustainable or affordable, sorry, income uh, community. It's kind of hard to create a affordable community, especially because district energy has such high upfront costs. Uh, so it really depends on like, can the government subsidize it? Um, for example, just because you have geothermal energy doesn't mean that your energy, like uh, the, pay, the price you pay for your heating and electricity, it's not going to be lower. Um, generally the government will subsidize it at the beginning in order to make it equal with uh, like for example in Ontario they have Ontario Hydro in order to make them level they'll subsidize it but it doesn't always really have to be so it's kind of hard to navigate that I don't know how they kind of approach it I feel like it would have to come from like government support or municipal support but in reality that's something that we probably should go forward thinking about thanks for thanks for sitting down with me I think Blatchford is a and, and district energy topics in general are an, an interesting kind of case when we talk about municipalities that are tr- and Edmonton specifically that's trying to be more sustainable and trying to meet their 
uh, target emission reductions. Well, this Great. has been Sarah. Uh, like me, she is a master's student in resource economics and environmental sociology. Thank you for sitting down with me. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments about the show, send us an email to Tara at cgsr.com, tweet us at Tara Informa, or check us out on Facebook. To catch up on the latest environmental news, visit our website, terrainforma.ca. Thank you to our volunteers, Sonic Patel, Charlotte Thomason, and Elizabeth Dowdell for helping out with this week's episode. Terra Informa is entirely volunteer-run, and we survive because of generous donations to our host studio, CGSR 88.5 FM. Consider a donation to your local radio station to keep independent journalism on the air. We've been your hosts, Hannah Cunningham and Carter Gorzitsa. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope we'll catch you next week right here on Terra Informa. Ha <laughs> ha